Hello, and welcome to Steady State Podcast, your rowing fix where the water's always flat, the catches are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain. We're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates the expansive array of rowers, coaches, and coxswains in a podcast designed to save a real-life experience from launch to cox seat at every level. We're Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan, and this is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode with Napoleon Griffin of Texas Rowing Center, a decorated middle distance track runner who learned to skull as an adult. Napoleon beat male breast cancer and today strives to get as much out of life as possible. He also survived hurricanes Irma and Maria, which devastated Puerto Rico in 2017. Motivated by a desire for more training and racing opportunities, Napoleon relocated to Texas, where he now splits his time between Austin and Dallas. If you missed it or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, would you leave us a review? When you do, it helps our podcast get noticed and reach more ears. We're really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. And when it comes to clubs and boathouses, we want to meet the people that make them vibrant, engaging, inclusive, successful, and of course, fun. With that in mind, our semi-regular Club Spotlight series takes us across the country and around the world. We were recently in Tennessee for U.S. Rowing Masters Nationals, and we thought we really ought to know more about the host club. Oak Ridge Rowing Association, where Tara learned to row as a teenager. Oak Ridge Rowing Association was founded in 1978. Today, it is home to the Atomic Juniors and Masters Rowing teams, offers a wide array of learn-to-row classes, hosts several championship regattas every year, and provides a world-class training venues to visiting crews. Today, we're talking with Oak Ridge head coach John J.D. Davis, board president, rower, and rower dad Jim Rogers, and Masters program rower Jen Bon, who picked up rowing just last year. So thanks to all of you for being with us. Thanks for having us. So Thank you. I, I just wanted to interject because we're going to ask you your rowing origin story, but I have to give total props because Oak Ridge Rowing is my rowing origin story. I learned to row in 1986 at Oak Ridge Rowing with just a great group of people, stuck with it for a couple seasons, have a lot of great memories, including beaching a pair in the middle of Mm -hmm. a power 20 on the shoreline, Um, racing at the Schuylkill, going to Cincinnati for youth nationals, uh, holding stake boats for for regattas, um, training with my teammates, sweating it out on that course. And I have something special to show you. Look at this. Wow, that is awesome. So Tara's holding up her splash jacket. This is actually in Oak Ridge High School colors, mm-hmm. the yeah. maroon and the maroon and gray. But I just wanted to credit Oak Ridge with that rowing story. And then I wanted to also say that we're going to talk about this too. Whenever I say I'm from Oak Ridge, um, I always, when I talk to other rowers, they always get this starry look on their face and they say, oh. I used to go there in college for spring training every year, or, oh, I won this very significant regatta that there this year. So 
just to lay that groundwork, there is a mystical, magical quality to that particular body of water. I've driven by it my entire life. Literally, I was born and raised in Oak Ridge. I have driven along Melton Hill Lake my entire life, and I was really lucky to get to learn to row there, and I've always been really grateful for that seminal experience. So saying that, uh, we just always like to know how's your rowing week going. So Jim, what's going on in your rowing world this week? My rowing. Uh, so uh, we did just com- just complete the, the the Masters Nationals. So we had been focusing and training on very very short distances. You know, so we were doing tons of two fifties and five hundreds just over and over and over and over, uh, trying to prep us for that, and then very abruptly we're changing and now focusing on the five K's, right? So um, we row coached programs three days a week. We row uncoached programs the other three days a week and everybody takes a day off. Um, So we will go throw in distance or mix up our boats or do something fun. So, um, so yesterday was just a little simple, uh, maybe 17 or 18 K just, just to kind of swing and start getting a little bit of flow um and kind of get us away from that oh my gosh we need to be rowing at a you know a 36 or a 38 so um it's a good change my legs appreciate it um and we'll we'll start focusing now on on head race season i gotta say that every time i've come home to visit and i've gone out to row with like mike shea who's Mm -hmm. famous around there and uh, and his wife and uh, anyone who would take me you know in their boat in the evening program they row no less than like 15k and it's just this beautiful long winding and we'll we'll post a link to the facility to the venue but this Mm -hmm. long beautiful winding um and they have like you go to somebody's dock and back like there's somebody's dock past the trestle Mm -hmm. yep yeah so jim ramsey is he's actually one of the the founding members all the way from back in the very late 70s yeah and uh, is still in the community and he still refs and uh and rows a little bit and uh, his dock is a wonderful turnaround at about 16 or 17,000. Yeah. I love that. Um, Jen, how's your rowing week going? What's going on for you? You know, yeah, like Jim mentioned, we just got out of Masters Nationals. So I took the first half of the week off. So yeah, Thursday night, we had a nice uncoached, let's just get out on the water and remind ourselves that we don't have to do a sprint every time we get out here. And yeah, we had a nice weekend row that was long and leisurely and beautiful. It poured the whole time and it was so much fun. Well, tell her what we did yesterday. It's a little different, right? So, yeah. So, actually, Jim and I were in a quad yesterday and um, we went up to Ramsey's dock. I stroked the first, uh, you know, seven or eight K. Um, and then we switched and Jim stroked it back. Yeah. So, really? it's kind of fun. We changed the lineup in the middle of the, of the middle yeah. of the piece. Yeah. I love that. And the, and it was uncoached. You said this was just a leisurely stroll with a, some masters who all just like to meet at the same time. Mm-hmm. So a bit of an unstructured yeah. um, program. Just throw it in the group chat of who's going out at what time and who's available. And, you know, how early do you want to get up on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning and you'll head out with whoever shows up. So just out of curiosity, because I've, I've heard from a lot of different rowers and coaches and clubs about the structures of their programs and a lot of clubs won't go out without coaches so i'm wondering when you say uncoached do you literally mean you don't have a coach in a launch when you go out you don't have a safety launch we do not Hmm. so the only so well 
the water is cool, but not dangerous. The flow is, is exceedingly low. We all know how to swim. We all know how to get back in a boat. We have all passed a flip test in a single. Um, there's multiple of us, you know, going at the same time. So um, we, we, don't, we don't ask or, or require a launch for adults. That's not true for the juniors, right? So as long as you're in the junior program, there must be a coach on the water. But, uh, but for the masters, that's, that's not the case. And it gives us a lot of flexibility, right? So um, again, trying to keep costs low, if I had a coach on the water, and, and also how's the coach gonna keep up with us? I mean, we could, we could get pretty spread out depending on who's in singles or doubles or, or really pushing a quad. So, um, so we've, we've never had really any issue with that. You know, sure, people do flip, you know, I give myself one flip a year, but you know, I do something stupid. Um, that's okay. Uh, well, but no, we don't do that. So coach programs are three days a week mm -hmm. that helps keep the cost down. And then we, and then the other three days is on your own with some attention to the training plan. So the coach is giving us focus points okay. to work on, mm -hmm. but, but he or she doesn't need to be on the water. Gotcha. Now, um, you also have private boat storage at your facility as a revenue item and as a way for like uh, folks who don't want to be part of a coach structured program to just house their boats there and go out on the water on their own, like the Shays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we do. Yeah. All right. So JD's here. We're going to say hi to JD. And then we want to ask each of you your rowing origin story, how you got into rowing. Okay. So we're just going to welcome JD in. There we go. There he Beautiful is. Day here. Hi, hi there. Um, we're joined by uh, John Davis, also known as JD, and you are the Oak Ridge Rowing Association head coach. Yes, correct. Thank you for joining us. Um, you just got done with practice. Yes, first day. Ooh, first day of juniors practice. Correct. How many kids? Go. How many kids do you have this year? We've got about uh, fifty-five or sixty right now. We got our novice turnout starts real soon. Next, uh, I think we're at uh, 58, I think is what we're at. That's wow. a good sized program. Wow, that's that is right. a good yeah, it's a rural program and it's, it's great. That's good kids, great. nice kids. So we are asking everyone, we just talked to Jen and to Jim, uh, how's your rowing week going? Oh, well, it, it uh, started off, if you started on Sunday, it was great because we did, finished up Masters Nationals here and, and, uh, and the volunteers here at Oak Ridge just did a magnificent job and the weather cooperated. Um, it was the, I think it was glass for four days straight and uh, no current really, a little current maybe the first day and then the rest was just absolutely stellar. Uh, the reception um, and, uh, was was very positive toward the regatta. And of course, you know, I'm, I've been around the block for a while here at, at in rowing for a while. And it's so great to see friends from where I used to coach in Minneapolis and kids I coached in college. They're not kids anymore. They're, they're, their moms and dads and stuff. So it really was great to see so many people. And that's the one, one of the big fun things about Masters Nationals. But the rest of the week has been a big breather for me. It's been a long run since COVID started. And that was my first real break was most of this week or last week, I should say. But uh, it's great to be back. The, the kids are excited to be back. It's a lot of fun coaching juniors. Uh, and uh, I've, uh, it was exciting to see them again. And they're very enthusiastic, you know, that, that, that helps you uh, keep your enthusiasm level up. For sure, for sure. Just to clarify, um, 
Oak Ridge Rowing is the LOC, the local organizing committee for Masters Nationals, correct? That is correct. correct. Okay, good. So you guys were in charge of volunteers, the venue, the tents, all of that, the yeah, referee. The course, yep, course, venue layout. Um, so U.S. Rowing um, worked to, to pull in the rests and they did the video production and streaming. Um, and in this case, they, um, they had the uh, agreement with Here Now for the timing. And then we had everything else. Well, well done. It was very well done from parking to porta potties to everything. It was, you know, and quite a challenge, of course, with COVID, you know, just uh, coming back into large scale events like that. So um, it probably was a lot of fun to see a lot of familiar faces. And, and I know Rachel and I had a great time uh, in our booth and, and meeting everybody and course, yeah, being, I, being in my I, hometown. Yeah, I've got to say one thing that I really loved about being there uh, as a vendor this year, we were set up with a tent um, right across from the finish line. And that is just so spectacular. I, I love that about your venue. It's so great, not only as a vendor, but obviously as spectators, mm -hmm. you've got this long stretch. And uh, that's really uh, unlike too many venues uh, that I've been to. So you guys are very, very lucky for your setup there. And uh, we definitely want to talk to you some about that, about the venue, the history of it, and uh, what's gone on in the last couple of years. It's got you to uh, an eight lane course. So that's pretty exciting news. We'll, and we'll wrap back around to that in, uh, in a few minutes. Steady State Podcast is brought to you by me, Rachel Friedman, and me, I'm Tara Morgan. Between us, we have 33 years of rowing, coaching, and coxing experience, and running successful rowing-related enterprises. Rachel is the founder of RowSource, the original resource for master's rowers. And Tara is the founder of Seize the Oar Foundation, where they champion inclusion in the sport of rowing through team training, outreach, and thought leadership. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rosource and Seize the Oar. In two, we're back with Oak Ridge Rowing Association. That's one, two. So now okay. we want to know, and we'll probably start with JD because he has probably been in the rowing game the longest. JD, what is your rowing origin story? How did you find rowing? Many men of my age, uh, my era, I was standing in a reg line at my university, University of California, Irvine, and uh, some fellows watched try out for rowing. And uh, I did, uh, I, I was thinking about it. I didn't row my freshman year, but I took a scuba class from a uh, former uh, military diver by the name of Robert, Bo Robert Bob Ernst. And I uh, came out my sophomore year cool. and... Uh, Bob was a uh, was just uh, spec did a spectacular job with us and really encouraged a lot of us to think out of the box, think big. And as we did that, more and better athletes came out. People like Brad Lewis and Bruce Ibbotson and and others who uh, who rode uh, to Olympic medals. And uh, I didn't get there, but uh, uh, it was a real joy to row with those guys. And we're still all very very close. Uh, we won the Rusty Callow Award my senior year, and uh, that was. Uh, that was a, a tremendous amount of credit to uh, the several people, uh, uh, Bob, of course, and uh, Stu Gibson and, and Duval Heck, who founded that program and has come back and coached it again and kept it, kept it alive. And uh, I'm really proud to be an anteater and an anteater horseman. 
So what was it about rowing? Do you remember that first time you went out on the water and with the rowing team? What what was it about it that just got you hooked? I, it was just fun being around the guys. I'm one of those late bloomers, I guess. Uh, I've come to call rowing the land of lost and broken toys, and I'm the best example of that. I got cut five times in high school. I never made a sport. And I couldn't do anything until my senior year or middle of my senior year, and all of a sudden I'm you know, playing touch football and throwing the ball 40 yards, 50 yards, and and outrunning guys, and it just happened to me late, and I didn't row my freshman year, so by the time I came out, I did go to a fifth year, uh, take some grad classes, and and uh, had that year of eligibility. So I just, just I have bad feet, you know, I'm pigeon-toed, and I pronate, and heavy legs, and but you put me in a boat, tell me to go backwards, and I was able to do that, and uh, and uh, Bob's a great natural motivator, and was and and believed in us, and uh, for a guy who had never really had that kind of sports background. It was, it was a coming of age experience for me, especially maybe some of the others like uh, Bruce and Brad were fantastic high school athletes and in, in and of their own and, uh, and other guys were too, but we managed to do quite well and, and uh, won some races and raced some real tough races against some very, very top crews. So uh, I learned goal setting and all that stuff from through my rowing experience, but I was a non-athlete absolute non-athlete and uh that program changed my life and uh it's there's a romanticism about it for me an idealism that i try to bring to my coaching that's something we've heard from several people that we've talked to about about rowing and how they got involved uh came to it late quote unquote whatever that may mean for them either in college or even later than that and they never were involved in sports before they didn't know that they had a competitive you know bone in their bodies and then started rowing and something just ignited for them that that is the case and it, it was especially the case when i had the opportunity to begin coaching rowing after my um coach, coaching women's rowing after my competitive days were over and and uh, all those kids who, those college kids who'd never had a chance to play sports in high school, but the women, and I coached the women at Stanford. I was their first real serious coach. And, and so they, you know, walking around with all these athletes who'd never really experienced high level uh, competition. And they didn't, many of them never had the opportunity. They were just extremely talented athletes. Mm-hmm. Wow. I can tell that you bring that spirit to your juniors. I'm sure you meet a lot of junior prospective athletes and new kids that come to the program who maybe haven't found their thing yet and found their way into their bodies yet. And I know I've had that experience as a coach of Masters Learn to Row, where you meet people where they're at and you say, well, you know, here's what we can do. And and we just all share that transformative wonderfulness of the sport. Um, Wonderfulness is a a great word for it, but there's a lot that goes into that wonderfulness and yes. willingness to work very hard is, of course, the hallmark of our sport. Yes, very, yes, very uncomfortable moments. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Rogers, what about you? What's your rowing origin story? I, I think the the one thing that really sticks out was um, my daughter was a pretty good swimmer, and she jumped in a summer uh, in a summer learn to row. And after just a couple of weeks, she said, "You know, I'm done swimming, and I'm switching to rowing." And she is a novice eighth grader, um, did pretty well. And I can still remember this standing on the bridge at the hooch, freezing cold, watching her stroke the novice eight down through there. And the girls were just, there was steam coming off of them. I mean, it was, you know, it was one of those things where the girls were just so hot and the, and the, and the air was so cold. And it was just like, oh, that's really neat. 
Right. So, um, and so, so that was just such a neat thing. And, and I, I, I was still trying to hold on to kind of a competitive cycling and competitive soccer, you know, late career. And it just, you know, it was time to move on. So, um, so I started rowing. So with, you know, at the same club with her so that I could understand what she was going through. And, and that was really neat. Um, there was a young lady named Rachel Dooley and uh, she was a UT recent UT grad and she was coaching the masters and she was a great motivator for basically new learn to rows trying to figure out if this was the sport for them. Um, and, and she did a great job with me. Uh, very motivational. I, I literally went from learn to row in, in July, maybe of that year to racing at masters nationals in Sarasota just a couple of months later. Right. And, oh my gosh, it was terrible. Right. So, um, I was sweeping, I was in a men's eight and I think about 10 strokes into the race. I was, I was so excited. I literally came right off the seat, you know, and the announcer was like, Oh, we seem to have a problem in the four seat of the atomic boat. And, and, you know, it's like, you know, uh, it was just a hot mess, but, um, you don't forget that kind of stuff, right. It's the camaraderie of being in a boat and we're all just trying so hard to work for each other and with each other. Um, I, I just get immense satisfaction from that. And, and, and that's the kind of stuff that I'll never forget. And, you know, I've now been doing it for eight years and you stick me in a boat with somebody and, and, and by gosh, we are all that way. We are, we are working that hard for and with each other, you know, every single day practice or race doesn't matter. Yeah. I, when I first met you, Jim, I was on a visit to Oak Ridge and I met you and Sarah Kate, your daughter at the same time. And I just felt this immense level of love for the sport from both of you. And, uh, you know, I couldn't tell which came, who'd come first to the rowing world, but I could really tell that you're a huge fan of her, but you're also a huge fan of the sport and what it's done for her. And she's gone on to row in college at, at, at yep. BU. Yep. And uh, I want to shout out to Rachel Dooley as well. Um, she's from the Everett, Washington area mm -hmm. and was an Everett coach. And when I came to visit her before she moved to Seattle, we actually rode a pair out on Mountain Hill Lake and managed to break the skeg off of a pair uh, on a log. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a bit of a debris issue out there. Um, and then we masterfully, of course, rode that pair right back <laughs> to the top. <laughs> But she's a beast and, and she's just a wonderful coach. And I could see how she would really change kids' lives. Um, so Jen, your turn. How'd you get started? When did you get started? So I kind of stumbled into it last summer, uh, which was a weird time to do anything. Uh, but I had just moved to Oak Ridge from out of state and was going on runs along Mountain Hill Lake. Um, and, you know, I'd been here a couple of weeks and I was starting to think, hey, maybe I should start like making friends and getting off my couch and doing things. And I was at the same time, I was passing the boathouse every day on those runs and seeing the sign saying, you know, adult and jun juniors learn to row programs. And it occurred to me that rowing might be a good balance of, you know, meeting some people and being social and also getting off my couch and learning something new. And so I went ahead and signed up thinking, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Um, and in that learn to row, it was so much fun. I was thinking, okay, that was great. Like, I don't really know where to go from here, but I had a lot of fun. And then people like Jim and JD were like, all right, here are the next steps. And they just kind of told me, all right, now you're going to sign up for rec and we're going to train you and it's going to be great. And as soon as I got into that rec, um, you know, right after coming out, I learned to row and the 
masters that were already rowing there kind of saw that I was willing to put in the time and willing to take instruction. They really took me under their collective wing and started to, you know, teach me everything and really kind of adopted me into the club very, very quickly. Um, and it's, you know, I don't do things by half measures. So I've kind of been there the whole time and started competing pretty much right away. Yeah, I've noticed that that's a theme um, when I've had experiences with Oak Ridge Masters is that there is a sense of being adopted by them. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, I know that when I come to town, I can call Nancy and Mike Shea, who I keep saying their names, so we'll definitely tag them in this, but um, I keep saying them because they are just stalwart, you know, Oak Ridge rowers. And they were actually oh, yeah. the ones that every time I came to town, they would take me out in one of their, in their double and the other one would row a single and they would just be like, let's go. You know, it wasn't, it, it just has always been so welcoming and I've raced oh, yeah. and rode with the women's eight that used to go out on Thursday nights. I believe it was, mm -hmm. it was an older group of, of gals that I used to go out with. Um, but just, yeah, that sense of being adopted. And yeah. um, I know that that's a struggle for learn to row graduates is to figure out where you fall in a club. Well, yeah. It can be quite intimidating, you know, mm -hmm. to go from learn to row and, you know, within a couple of months, you're expected to be in the competitive group and being competitive when you feel like you barely know what you're doing is quite a scary thing but fortunately these rowers there's that perfect mix of very technical and very supportive and driven obviously but not cutthroat you know you don't really get that they're just very encouraging and very supportive so it was a very great place to come up in rowing as I'm sure you know from your time there and I understand you have uh, some success to report from Masters Nationals. Yes, my very first boat at Masters Nationals. We got a bronze medal. I, f I stroked three different boats at Masters Nationals, and I've got a bronze oh. medal sitting on my shelf right there. I got it engraved as soon as I could. Oh, excellent. I was so excited. Yeah. That's fantastic. Was, the bar has been set high for me. So that <laughs> was a good start. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And to be the stroke of those boats, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a responsibility. And, and uh, we'd love to see a picture of that. If you wouldn't mind uh, sending us a picture of your. Oh, absolutely. I've got metal. boat pictures. And, yeah. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at steady state network and on Twitter at steady state row. Sign up for our e-newsletter and become a patron at steadystatenetwork.com. Well, you know, so I, I was just thinking about the fact that, you know, so Jen just got started rowing last summer and we're talking about like, that's no big deal, like not out of the ordinary, but a lot of clubs really were struggling last year dealing with COVID and COVID protocols and figuring out what programs to run and how to run them. So it sounds like you guys did all right. Can you tell us a little bit about how you made it through the last year? I'm happy to do that. And, and I want JD's input into this. So um, so I was elected president right in the middle of that mess. And the um, our spring training season and, um, and seven regattas disappeared in the space of about 48 hours. Yeah. Uh, and I was determined to not let that completely shut us down. So what we did was rotate to very, very strict protocols, singles only and all the sorts of stuff. I and mean, we did all of that kind of stuff, all of the, um, the personal responsibility about hygiene and distance and all that. We did all of those things, but we, we encouraged people to continue to row. And by doing that, uh, you know, the, we're fortunate between the private singles and the, and the club singles, we had enough equipment to keep people on the water so i so so instead of me rowing in a double or a quad or whatever i spent 
many, many long hours in a single as, as, as well as and lots of other people did. And I think that was a real benefit. So all of us worked on, um, on our technique and our balance and, and our strength and all these other core strength and these other things. So, um, so we were able to completely ride through this, um, you know, uh, all the protocols are in place. The, the kids for a short period of time, there, we, we felt like, and JD can, can elaborate, for a short period of time, what we did was we rotated all of the ergs out of the boathouse to individuals, right? So every kid had an erg and a practice plan at home. Uh, the masters and the, just the general, the general membership was encouraged to continue to, to row, just, you know, just persevere through this, be smart, but, pers- you know, but, but work through this. And, and I think it's paid great dividends in both programs. Right. So JD, what, what do you think? I, so I was pretty happy with it. Right. Lots of discussions with, with CDC and health officials and, you know, all this kind of stuff about what was realistic um, but at the end, it worked, and we were very happy. JD, we had we have the ability to row all year long here, and we shut down for seven weeks. And we started looking around and, and you know uh, hearing rumors about people sculling in their singles. And we looked around the boathouse, and so we went said, "Well, we've got these singles, and it was uh, an act of, um, of uh, serendipity." But we got several singles just out of the blue. People were moving out of the area and retiring from rowing and gave us their singles. And that helped, we picked up three or four singles that way. And suddenly we had enough boats that we could take 10 juniors out at once with one with coaches. And um, you know, we're all masked up, all the disinfection protocols, all that sort of stuff. We were running from eight o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night, we were running workouts. And um, I, there, I've, never coached that much all at once, but we had, a, we had enough staff that, that we didn't have to do everything, but that was some of the, those days were in the heat of the day. And, uh, but Jim's absolutely right. The skill level went way up, the balance went way up, uh, and just a different attitude toward uh, how to move a boat, really spending mo- much of our time on the water, just learning how to pro- propel a boat forward. And uh, the kids liked it, uh, they stuck with it. Uh, all through summer, we took a break. Uh, we look, I looked around and we went to the health department and we said, uh, hey, you know, we're hearing about these pods, I think, or cohorts is what they called them. And uh, so uh, can we do cohorts? And they said, read the CDC guidelines and I'm busy, get out of my office. It's kind of what that they basically said it in a kind way. And, um, and so we, we followed the CDC guidelines very closely. Every day we were looking at what was going on in Tennessee and around the country. We saw a couple cases come through from the outside of the program but we never spread it inside the program. And that was probably the, the mark that I'm most proud of, of our teams. That's, that's a great relief. And, uh, and we ran regattas under those same protocols, yeah. right? So while everybody else was, you know, was bunkered, you know, sheltered in place, you know, we ran, um, we ran a two day head race in October last year under full mask protocols. Um, and then ran our spring regatta season, you know, again, under, under basically full mask, full COVID protocols. Um, and we were very careful to check and contact trace before and after, and the contact tracing came back zero, right? So Excellent. we were delighted that, yeah, I, I find rowers to be generally just very res- responsible. Um, and everyone took it very seriously and it allowed us to, 
carefully host events and and give people an opportunity to come out and 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 show all that training right so yeah i think it's really interesting tara and i definitely kind of had our eye on um what folks were doing across the country and as mm -hmm. masters rowers we were both involved as um in programs that basically shut down uh so it's interesting to hear about your successes and um know that you were able to put together programs and opportunities and racing and it sounds like you know come out the other side with everybody healthy and happy so nice work <laughs> and recruit new rowers and yeah yeah, and you've managed to to grow your club. You know, I think yeah. a lot of clubs really lost a lot of learn to row momentum, uh, you know, and novice momentum in 2020. Um, and and speaking back to what Jim was saying about spring training, um, for folks who don't know, Oak Ridge Rowing is the site of a major site for colleges to come for spring training. I know I've mentioned it to uh, older masters rowers who have very fond memories of coming to Oak Ridge for spring training, um, you know, in the eighties, nineties, you know, uh, way back in the day. Um, so that was a significant line item from your budget that was lost as well as being the host yeah. of, you said seven regattas that you host yeah. typically. Um, and not a lot of masters clubs are hosts of regattas and have that kind of uh, revenue opportunities. So um, that really is a big hit, you know, so, so well done and, and reducing cost and reducing uh, exposure at the same time. Um, and Jen, great job just jumping in, you know, new sport. Why not? You know, meet some great Yeah, I've people. since learned that my learn to row experience was odd. You know, I never learned how to sweep. I was never in an eight and I spent, you know, two days in a quad and then immediately was into a single. And apparently that's weird. Um, but, you know, it, it worked out, but they, you know, got us broken out and into small boats as soon as possible. Um, but we had a blast doing it. So Jen, I want to ask you this question. If you were going to recruit a rower out of a coffee shop right now to go row at Oak Ridge Rowing and give it a try, what would you say? I mean, I'm working on recruiting some of my coworkers right now. And I think uh -huh. there are a lot of people who are looking kind of for hobbies and looking to try new things. And they just don't think of rowing as an option. And they also don't realize there's a master's program in a lot of places. So I think for the coworkers that I am trying to get into learn to row programs, um, just to present the idea of, hey, this is a thing that you can do and somebody will teach you. And it doesn't matter that you didn't do it in college and it doesn't matter that you're not an athlete. Um, you can, yeah, like you mentioned that we can meet you where you are um, and start from there. So I think it's an awareness thing for a lot of people is that they just, it never occurs to them to look. Get bonus steady state content, early access to podcast episodes, and store discounts when you join our Patreon community for as little as $5 per month. Become a patron today at steadystatenetwork.com slash Patreon. In two, we're back with Oak Ridge Rowing Association. That's one, two. Next thing we wanted to ask you about was what is the history of this club and how it fits into Oak Ridge, which is kind mm. of an unusual town. I mean, we all know, uh, um, not we all, but there is a history there uh, with the Manhattan Project and the atomic bomb. And that's the whole origin of the, the town. So it's got a kind of a high rate of physicists and PhDs. How did Oak Ridge Rowing get started? Well, there's a neat little backstory where, um, 
is Tara, the, the area directly across from the finish line was considered as, um, as a giant, um, as a coal dump for TVA. And a bunch of folks in the community got wind of that in the 70s, in the late 70s. They found out about this and they were like, oh no, not in my town. You're not destroying our waterfront with this giant, you know, coal dump for, you know, for, for, um, for energy production. So um, six or seven folks got together. It included Jim Ramsey. And they and they basically went and went after that decision and were able to overturn the decision and move and move TVA downstream. So that opened the way for waterfront development for Oak Ridge, the, the little city. It's a very tiny little city, um, and uh, and basically, but it opened that opp opportunity up, and and the the club kind of sprang out of that out of that small opportunity back in 1978, and I think maybe 1979, they were incorporated. So um, kind of an interesting start that it took, it, it, it took um, people getting together, banding together to, to kind of fight for what they felt was the common community interest um, created the opportunity for us. So it's pretty neat. I mean, it is very else, unusual, right? It is, so, it's extremely unusual. A perfect yeah. straight waterway, eight yep. lanes across. So yep. we know and, that and you guys- eight, right? So it's it's narrow too, so that it mm -hmm. ends up being somewhat sheltered um, on both sides. So, uh, and yet you've got about 2,500 meters before you make that that sweeping turn to um, to your port. Um, and, and it, you know, I mean, and I love to tell the people coming here for spring training, they say, like, where should I go? And I go, well- it's 17 miles up and it's 17 miles down. So, you know, you know, it's just a beautiful place to row. Um, we're very, very spoiled, you know, and it's dam controlled on both sides and, and very flat. So it's just idyllic for, for all of us. So does having eight lanes make you more of a kind of a player in the, in the league of all these other training facilities, like the Nathan Benderson park that's come up, is that part of it? Is that that makes you more, competitive in that market of uh, competing for regattas, big, big name regattas and big spring training contracts or spring training arrangements? It, it does. It, it does help. Right. So um, what we traditionally do is for events like Louisville Cardinal and some of these others, we will race six across um, for Masters Nationals and some of the really large events like U.S. Rowing's Southeast's. We'll race uh, seven across. Um we, in, in the entire time I've been there 10 years, we've only raced eight across um, since, since that construction was finished only once. And that was for Dogwood Juniors um, because you, you mentioned that, it's, that it's, it's 13 and a half meters times eight across, but then um, but the travel, travel up, up is pretty tough. So we can continually rotate crews through on a seven lane. And a lot of people don't need a full eight but the ability to go from to, to race six all day long or seven all day long um, does give us a great uh, uh, a great competitive advantage against some of these other folks. And as you I, mentioned, I'd like to add, if I can, that that this is the most incredible water I've ever coached on. And I've been coaching 35, 36 years. And but the, the idea that you you don't need to be able to shift the course left or right very much here due to wind because it's we're, we're, the western westerlies are all blocked by the Cumberland Mountains, and it goes right over Knoxville and over the Smokies, and it's flat here day in and day out. It's almost boring. 
Well, it is pretty fantastic there, uh, but it is foggy. Nationals got, um, you know, racing every morning got pushed because of fog delays. So there was a technical reason this year. So we had we had no fog until the week before Masters. And then TVA alerted us that that they needed to move a very large amount of cold water south to help with their generation oh. capabilities down well down below us so mm-hmm. we'd had no no rain for extended periods and water temperatures were higher so they needed cold water so they were like sorry you know norris and some of these other dams is good. they're going to need to move cold water so when they did that our average temperature you know down at the boathouse went from in the low 70s to about 55 degrees and you felt it you know you stick your hands in the water in the morning you're like oh that feels awesome um, but the other effect is between that and humidity, it created that little fog layer that had to burn off. Yeah. So um, probably too technical, but but that's what was going on is TVA was 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 pushing um, a little bit of cold water each day. And um, only in Oak Ridge would you have man-made fog. I mean, that's just yeah. crazy. <laughs> so, so Tara, have you, you, Sarah, I'm sure Tara that you got, you were able to row in it, right? You row up toward, toward, uh, toward the dam. And then as they released water at the end of the day, you would turn around and race back, trying to stay away from the fog as the fog came, you know, came rolling toward you. So oh, definitely. It's, definitely. it's a neat experience. Yeah. yeah. Wild man-made fog. <laughs> um, okay. So, you know, so we've talked to you a bit about Oak Ridge and the history of Oak Ridge. And, you know, I, I noticed um, two things. First of all, the blades for atomic rowing are prominently displayed the radiation symbol and so you've got um, a juniors and masters program called atomic rowing um and the website declares quote unquote unlock your atomic potential right um for folks that don't know about the history of oak ridge you know we're hoping to teach them a bit about that today but could we talk a little bit more about the connection um you know uh, uh, between oak ridge and the atomic age and also, how do you feel about continuing continuing to use that symbol to promote your programs? All three of us could answer that, right? It, of course, it's a touchy subject uh, outside of the nuclear energy component of it. And, uh, but there's a lot of pride in this town, and this town was built around uh, the nuclear age. So there's a lot of pride in the town and in, 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 in what occurred here as, as, uh, as difficult as that subject can be. But um, today, it's, and Jim can really speak to this because he does works in the energy field and, and that there's a lot more going on out there now. It's computers and it's carbon fiber and it's all this really interesting stuff uh, that that's goes far beyond that. And a lot of it's, it's recouping uh, waste materials and, and things that are really positive. So I do work for the Department of Energy, like uh, JD said. But our focus is is on it's on clean energy and new materials and and health products and new medicines and how can I make a safe reactor so that I can ensure that I have energy, um, you know, that's not based on you know fossil fuels or some other things, right? So we do so many cool things out there. Um, there's been an enormous amount of experimentation in, in how. Um, nuclear energy could be um, a possible solution space in a lot of places, in a lot of fields. Um, but it's driving innovation now in a huge numbers of, of uh, in huge numbers of fields. 
which is just, it's cool to be part of. I'm, at this point, you know, Atomic is part of the branding, right? So the city started down, down a specific path trying to provide a mission for, for the federal government, but we've evolved substantially in the last 70 years or so. Um, but that still remains a highly recognizable symbol that defines this community. And probably will forever. Yeah, thanks for giving us that, you know, that insight from folks that live there. You know, I know what happened several decades ago, but to hear from you about what's happening there today and looking forward, um, I'm really glad that you shared that with us. Well, speaking of collaboration, Rachel and I wanted to ask you about, um, since you put on all these regattas and you put on all these spring break um, things, that, that the role of the Oak Ridge Masters and Oak Ridge Juniors is probably pretty strong when it comes to volunteering. I know we saw your, your kids and your parents, uh, parent, parents of rowers, maybe not rowers themselves, but parents of rowers at the front gates at the uh, cleaning up the, the uh, garbage. We said we met Rhonda who made it to our mm-hmm. Instagram <laughs> feed after her first successful outing in a single. Um, and she stayed upright. She was so proud of herself and her friend, Fran, I think who is going to mm-hmm. join and is just ecstatic about joining and but we saw the mountain force volunteering and i wanted to hear a bit about role is as as in a service capacity the premise for the club is that you can get substantially reduced membership fees in return for for volunteering and we set a we set a threshold basically every single member volunteers 32 hours of their time each year um there's a number of us that you know, I finished mine in like January, but, um, but by doing that, we're able to, to staff all of these events, keep the entry fees for the competitors low, um, control all of our costs. Um, and, you know, it, it basically it's a ripple effect and we're able to then, then pass all of that on to, to the members in terms of lower, lower total program fees, lower storage costs, you know, all of those things. But I've already gotten roped into stake boat holding and was not, you know, I haven't been trained on how to put in and take out courses yet, but I, it's only a matter of time, I'm sure. The other thing that I like is they're invested. You don't just show up and have a key and come row your single whenever you want. You're there working with other rowers. You're learning how to stake boat or how to work in the finish tower, or you're learning how to drive a chase boat and support a referee. So um, you're learning how to, to, to do these things and you're doing it with your other friends, rowers, parents, and all that. So um, I think that there's a great social bonding from all of this kind of the shared labor of love. Um, and this model really works for us, you know, as a small club, just it's, it, it really does. I'd, I'd like to add that I've been around a lot of clubs and this one seems to have a real close relationship with between the junior juniors and the junior parents and the masters all together and and the, and the community as well people just come like to come here and volunteer because it's fun we have retirees in the area who really pitch in but that's pretty unique uh, a lot of times there's a wall that goes up between the masters and the juniors mm-hmm. but it gets broken down through all this volunteerism and uh, sometimes you get the parents out there too, like Rhonda. Uh, that's an interesting take on it. I have been asked no less than three times in the last few months. Um, how do we better integrate our juniors program into our club? Because we know that there's value in bringing juniors on, but there's a lot of pushback or there's a lot of uh, confusion or a lot of um, 
concerns, you know, or some, or vice versa, a master's program getting added onto a junior's program. So that might be the, the, the linking factor is that sort of sense of service um, to the club. So that's, that's a good point. And I, th I think that, that the, all clubs have to realize that there is a cultural divide between the masters and the junior. The masters are, of course, adults and they take care of themselves and the juniors need a lot of help. And, uh, and uh, it's, then you have the parents' involvement too. But what this does for us is it draws the parents, for the juniors, draws the parents into the club. And uh, that's not always possible. I, we, we just don't have the helicopter parents <laughs> that some people complain about. I love our parents. They're great. And, uh, that's great. and we partner with them and uh, it helps maybe a little bit that I'm old enough to be most of the parents' crazy uncle. Hmm. But uh, uh, so there's some authority there that just comes from gray hair. But uh, I, yeah, this is a great group of parents and, and, uh, and they, you know, we just, I just really enjoy working with them and, and they take pride in being able to do these sorts of things to go the extra measure for their for their club, for their kids' success, and especially junior regattas, and, uh, and, and to demonstrate to their kids community involvement. And being a part of a community is one of the biggest attributes to, uh, to, be, to uh, rowing for juniors, is learning how to live in a community. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're doing a lot of things right there, and I'm really pretty darn impressed. So we actually had a question for you, because while we were there, we noticed a pretty, uh, pretty wonderful mural on the side of your boathouse. It looks pretty new, pretty fresh, and everybody was taking pictures in front of it. So switching gears a little bit, but could you tell us a little bit about that mural and who the artist is? Happy to. So her name is Megan Lingerfelt, and she is, uh, she is an Oak Ridge resident. And um, Jim Dodson is a member of the city council. He's also a teacher, and he happens to be a huge proponent of the arts. So um, he was able to work with her and commission that a, um, a couple of years ago. And, um, and you know, that was just a, a huge slab of, of tan metal, right? It was awful. And, and they were like, this will be a, such a great, um, such a great location for the mural. Uh, Oak Ridge Rowing was was uh, was involved in some of the kind of the little final approvals of the design, you know, and it was it was just really remarkable. And she came out in good weather and bad, and uh, and she and her mom did all of that work. And as part of that, what we did was we went ahead and used it as an opportunity to refresh the rest of the building. So there came, so that's where you got the nice berry blue color and the big bold, the the bold uh, branding on the front. Um, and some other improvements. So um, we're working really hard to kind of to you know to, to provide a really fresh face forward for the community, and it's been really well received. So JD, Jim, and Jen, are you ready for our rapid fire Q and A? Oh my gosh! Absolutely, bring Here it. Here we go. Sweep or skull? Skull. 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 Bow seat. Stroke seat or engine room? Engine room. Stroke. Stroke. Salt water or fresh water? I've never rode in salt water, so I have to go fresh. Fresh water, absolutely. Fresh for maintenance reasons alone. Sprint race or head race? I think head race. 
Oh, interesting. Sprint. Sprint. Uh, favorite coxswain command to give or receive? And this includes your bow coxswain. So if you're in a quad, the person in the bow or in a double. I think when Hannah, who's normally the bow for us, just yells that we're walking on boats. I think that's the best to receive. Awesome. Yeah. Walking. Yeah, I think it's funny. Uh, silence from the coxswain is my favorite. Um, so if I hear nothing, then everything's going great. Other yeah, than that, um, how about way enough? Last 250. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Uni or tank and trout? Tank and trout. Oh yeah. We don't. Hey, we're masters. We're not gonna. Yeah, we're not gonna look good in unis. Yeah, you just gotta own it. Coffee before or after a row? A after. You can't do that before. That's too dangerous. After. Before, definitely. Well, all right. We're done. All right. So, JD, Jim, Jen, thank you so much for taking some time tonight to talk to us about Oak Ridge Rowing Association, Atomic Rowing, and about your own rowing origin stories. It's really been fantastic to talk with you all. This has been uh, great for me to stroll down memory lane. I really love that we got to spend uh, the last weekend with y'all in, in Oak Ridge at the Masters Nationals and um, just was coming home, you know, for me. And, and uh, I will always be grateful to Oak Ridge Rowing for giving me that amazing first start in this sport. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Yeah, thank Come you, back. Rachel. Thank you, Tara. Come back soon. We will. All right, everyone. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Hey, Jen, I'm, I'm heading to the boathouse. Are you going? All right. Yeah, I can be there in like 10, 15 minutes. Have a good That's time. Right. We gotta got to get it. in before the sunset. Got time. Okay, thanks, y'all. Good night, everybody. Bye, y'all. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. To see photos of JD, Jen, Jim, Melton Hill Lake, and Tara's Oak Ridge Splash Jacket, along with links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Did you know that Steady State is more than a podcast? We've got virtual events happening every week that bring together the rowing community from across the country and around the world. Join our version of the post-practice hangout with Steady State's Coffee Chat. Tara and Rachel shoot the breeze about their rowing week, rowing in the news, and more for about 30 minutes every Friday. Won't you join us at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on Facebook Live? Grab your favorite mug and add your voice to the conversation. Looking for workout buddies? Join us for Steady State Sundays, the fourth Sunday of each month at 6.45 a.m. Pacific, 9.45 Eastern. Register for the 60-minute Steady State ERG workout and we'll provide cues and insights to keep you motivated along the way. Work at your own pace and then stick around after to talk. To find out more about any of our events and claim your spot in our lineup, visit steadystatenetwork.com events. In two, let it run. That's one, two, let it run.